Hello, and welcome back to A Record of My Father. Today, we're going to be talking about what my father would tell himself when he was 25 years old, when he turned 45. What would you tell your 25-year-old self? Well, I, I, I think it's interesting because you, you, to, to go right to what I would say to myself when I'm 25, you have to realize where I was. When I was 25, I, I had just graduated from college, and I wasn't married. I had, I didn't own a car. I had, a, I think I had a car and, uh, I, I didn't live on my own yet. I still lived at my parents' house. I started working at, uh, I, I didn't have a real job when I got out of college. I was working as a gardener for a while and I did that for the summer. It was a whole lot of things that I'd learned while I did that. But then when I was 45, I was actually, I sold the company that I started when I was about 28, 29. And so I was in a completely different world, married, had a kid. You were five and a half, six years old, six years. You, you were going to first grade. It's like 15, I think. When yeah, you're 15, 40. maybe not. But then, but, but I mean, <laughs> you get, you, you, you twisted me on that one. I'm good at that. Yeah. You're really good at that. But, but I think though that when I think about it, it's like, what would I have taken different steps? Uh, I, I, I was so happy to actually have achieved a goal that I'd been trying at for almost seven or eight years. And when I look back at that now, I have to say the first thing I would have done that I didn't do is I didn't congratulate myself for actually accomplishing something that I'd set out early in my life to do. I, I, I wanted to, uh, uh, my whole life, my parents, no matter what, where we lived, it was very different, weird, blue collar neighborhood and all that kind of stuff. But my parents really pushed the whole education thing. And I would say that for me, that that was something that stuck with me. But I, I at times I worried that it wouldn't happen. And then to accomplish it was a big deal. And then that summer I had a huge, uh, I had a lot of problems getting out of school because I took one class pass fail, which they said I could take pass fail, which turned out I couldn't take a pass fail. And so I technically didn't graduate. I found out that I didn't graduate because I filed out, I filled out all these SF 171s for the government to go to work for them. And they said, it's a felony to lie on an SF 171 to say that you're not a graduate, but in, in reality, in my mind, I was. And so I'm working during the summer and I had a, and I'd go down there and I, and I had to correct it. And every Friday I would go down in the early morning cause I, I was working full time as a gardener. I was, I was building fences for people and all sorts of stuff like that. And a lot of uh, neighbors in uh, the uh, I guess, great falls area, I was doing things there. And, and, and I think I never got the satisfaction of saying, wow, you did it. You know, that, that was a big thing that looking back, I would have said, you should have like patted yourself on the back. That okay. would have been one thing. Yeah. No, definitely just appreciating what you've accomplished. I think is definitely a big thing. Yeah. Cause then you, you, you give yourself some sort of solace in the things early on in life. I mean, when you, when you jump over something big or you do some big task, you know, it seems like nowadays everybody celebrates every single thing that you do, you know. You know, if you, if you lose, they give you a freaking trophy and all this other kind of stuff like that. And it's like back then it, it, I mean, this was. You saying you're against participation trophies? Is that <laughs> what you're saying you're against? Yeah. 
Yeah. Because that's the that's the whole thing that I grew up in, is that from the time that what I was four or five years old, I was playing soccer, and people would always just give you a trophy for playing the game, and it made me feel great. <laughs> I don't know. It made Did me it? it made me feel great. I was like, really? wow, wow, I'm just this guy. Because I wasn't when you're four or five years old, you don't understand. You don't you yeah. don't really grasp the whole thing. Like, oh. I'm a winner like everybody else. Yeah. But I think around double uh, A baseball is when it really came around. What age was that? God, it must have been like 11, 12, maybe yeah. 13. And people were given like the game ball. And the right. game ball changed everything. Because you got a participation trophy, right? But the game ball was was hands down. Like you, you're good at baseball. Like that was the, that was the very yeah. diligent thing. Where they gave somebody this, and you're like, oh, feed your ego and stroke your ego because you were carrying the team, per se. Because I was on every single sports team that lost every single game. But but um, I was good at picking losing teams for you to play for. You really were. I mean, yes. you messed up. Maybe, you know what? I don't even think it was you. I think you were like, you want to play baseball? I was like, yeah. And then we went to play double A, and they looked at me, and he's like, he's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! They put me on the losing team. I mean, that's yeah. fair though, because um, yeah, could not hit a ball at all. But I could run, and I'm yeah. like, oh, why can't we just do kickball rules where I run for you, short people? Well, I was hoping you'd be pro baseball player and you know sign the two hundred million dollar contract, and then uh... I mean, it was really in the genes. I think I think I could have done it, um, but my big toes are too big. Yeah, I think that's what it was. That's what it was. But what else would you tell? Your twenty-five-year-old self, if you really could, I mean, what would you, what would you say? Hey, stop. I would that stand. I mean, still. weirdly, weirdly, now I probably would have said, lighten up on the partying. I, I was uh, avid every night. I mean, when we started our first business, we had a beer policy. We drank even at twenty-five. You oh were... God! Even before we started the first business, I went to my first job and we partied all the time. I mean, like. Every night till two, three in the morning, and then getting up and making them. And, and I was a, I was an avid poster. I would always make it to work the next day and do it. And many wouldn't, but I was like that. I had that ethic in the back of my mind that, by you know, if you refer to our previous uh, podcast on uh, work ethic, it's like I, I just, I can't do that in the middle of the week and not. And I think that uh, maybe I was searching for something that I wasn't able to find. You know. Maybe that was the whole reasoning for that. You think that you weren't able enough to look at yourself? Yeah, I don't think you're probably your, so. your faults. I, I think that's a, a big part of a lot of people's lives and that they're unable to, I don't know, self-evaluate, uh, self-evaluate their, their issues. And yeah, I think that's it's, why it's, people end up in the rudimentary addictions that they do end up in. It's, it's not a simple thing to look at yourself and to say, uh, to be self-aware. And I would say addiction as a whole is not a simple, a simple thing at all. And I think that, you know, I mean, first job interviews. Oh, my gosh. I remember uh, uh, I was working as a gardener and my uncle, the home we live in right now, took me out to uh, he, he wanted me to get a real professional job. I'd gone to college. I had my college degree. I was in business. And it's like, oh, you should get it. You should work at a bank. And and. You know, banks notoriously pay nothing when you first start. And so I uh, I went, put the suit on, went and interviewed. And 
I went to a bunch of interviews in banks and and, and things didn't pan out. And then I, then I finally got a really good interview at American Security Bank downtown, went there. The guys were like rat-a-tat-tat. I had three guys in a room that were just giving me all these questions and I was answering every single one. And they were floored. And they were like, wow, you know, you know, you're, you're someone that we could work with. And they kept giving me all the buy signs, which is, you know, in sales is like they want me to come to work for them. And I thought, wow, I'm going to be in here. And then, and, and then I did the ultimate stupid thing. They're like, so what do you think you need to, you know, survive here? What kind of salary would you like? And they asked me that question. And I was just like, well, you know, I kind of figured it out that I need about 15 grand a year to make it. And like, there's silence in the room. Nothing. Like, what was that? And I started like, was that, you know, is that what's wrong? Like, well, we, we started 13.5 and I, and I did this. I went, <coughs> really? <laughs> that, that, that was, that was I it. I like that would make a few people angry. No, they, 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 well, I looked at them and I'm like, you guys are all wearing suits. You come here, you have to pay for parking downtown, you, you know, and you're living on, and you know, how could they expect that of someone when you know, it just, it, it didn't make sense to me how you could actually do that unless I lived with like four people and, you know, and I was, I know a lot of people today and I live yeah, in DC but I, but, and have but, five roommates and yeah, well, I could have the same premise. I mean, I could have done that, but I, the there's no way I changed. There's no way I could have had like they all wore suits and for you to be a manager, which you would have been management trainee, you know, you, you would have been wearing a suit every day. And I didn't have four suits or five suits or three suits or two suits. I had one suit. A lot of suits. That's a, that's a ton of suits oh for thirteen well, five. It, it was a different world because the bank manager and going to any bank today. When you go to see the loan officer, what's the guy wearing? He's wearing a suit. They all are. I, yeah, I don't but, know what else they would be wearing. I think yeah, they're but, all wearing suits. But I would have been that guy. And it's like, how could you, I mean, financially in my mind, I couldn't figure that out. But anyway, I laughed. And when they gave me the salary and I mean, to their detriment or whatever, they never even replied. They never even said piss off. They, they didn't do anything. I actually got a ticket for illegal parking there, which that kind of pissed me off. Also, weirdly, I met Andy Rooney in the elevator on the way up. And who is that? Andy Rooney was a comedian type of news person that was on 60 minutes was a really big deal in the eighties and nineties. And I met him there and he was in that same building and he was going up and he said, hi. And I talked to him and I said, I was going to an interview and he said, good luck. And I guess maybe that was, I, I don't know why. A little that comedic, a little comedic it, was, it was just kind of different, you know? No, no, definitely. You know? I mean, I would say that, that, I had a lot of stressful time, uh, uh, stressful moments during that time. But when I got my first job, things, things sort of felt better. But there were, there were so many points that if I was older, I may have taken different steps that would have mitigated the stress and the pain that I suffered at that point. So how is that really synthesized? I mean... When you look well, at the how do you say that, how do you I mean, say it at the time? I could say be smarter. I, I don't think that's no, something that you would say. You I think it's, you can't say that to a twenty-five-year-old. Yeah, no, to say, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, uh, I, I think you know 
it, it's as silly as it will get better, you know? And I, and that was it. it I, I, I think better. that, I think that if I had somebody that looked back from the future and said, you know, it's going to get better. Cause to me, it was, it was, it was angst because I got out. It was my first real professional job. I was literally making half of what I made when I worked construction. So it was financially, it was like, I went to school for seven for years and, yeah. and for a four year degree. And, and the, the, yeah, that was the reason it was a little longer, a little harder, but that whole idea that, that you would, you would get this of course it, you realize that, that construction is, there's no paid vacations, there's no sick days, there's none of that. So it's also an age limit. Yeah, I think there's well, a big age limit working, on that. You're also only... working 65, 70 hours a week as opposed to 40 for, you know, 40 for 15 is damn near, you know, uh, 65 for 35. So yeah, somewhere exactly. in the same range. So you saw that. And it was paid sick leave is a huge, yeah. huge, gigantic thing that you gain when you enter that world. And also um, benefits. Yeah. Benefits. Yeah. <laughs> benefits are. Yeah. Moving I mean, to that way. side. Moving yeah. to that side was a really good, uh, I would say, safe factor for me. And predominantly, not only financial growth, but uh, there's a whole lot of other ways that you grow when I, when I moved to that side. I think that I could have done it on the other side as well, but it would have been in a different way. Because I, I knew engineers that went to school, came out, and they're construction engineers, and they worked on sites and they did well too. So it was just, it wasn't that you didn't work in construction. It was just the way that you worked in construction. I got to ask, did you get a liberal arts education or was it mainly uh, business specific? Business finance. So but you mean, didn't, but at the same time, you're taking English classes. You have to do a lot of certain credits, right? Yeah, I did. I did English. I did a fair amount of English. I did, uh, the math was not that deep, uh, statistics, that kind of stuff like that. Gotcha. So it was like fairly liberal arts, I would yeah. say. But it was it was like, you know, you, you did some higher level math when you did the management program things when you're talking about factories and how you would break even and you looked at spreadsheets and income statements and you had, you know, sixty variables and how the different variables would affect each other. And the thing that I came out with that is because I'm spatial, is that I can look at an income statement and I can I can look at like you know, 10 years, when people give me one year of financials, I'm like, no, give me, give me 10. What? And then I can look at the years and see the different growths and see the different things and spot it. Like, that's just something that I have. Does that spatial reasoning transition to shapes or not? Like, yeah, like it's, geometry it's about, and things it, like that. It's, it's absolutely that. That's incredibly interesting you know? that it actually transfers to a structure. Yeah. And like, so we're talking about trigonometry, baseline trigonometry with sine, cosine, and uh, I can't remember the other one. I don't, I don't know how I would have actually write the math formulas that would actually make it go into it. But I do understand that I can look at things that are compared in a, in a linear way, you know, Interesting. In and, that way, and, I knew that and I'll look at them this I'm, shape, right? Yeah. yeah. No, that that's actually incredibly interesting. And, it actually and, transfers you know, from a list into a shape. I think that more than anything astounds me. Well, but if 19 columns rise at 1%, one column rises at 5%, just one one year, then why did it do that? And if you and if you're and if you're pressed for time and you have to make decisions on a, a really relatively rapid thing, you go like, 
We're spending a, a, a crap ton more on office supplies. What's going on? Oh, well, paper prices tripled. Well, did we not increase our paper delivery charges? Well, no. Well, why, why not? Maybe we should. I mean, just... just Yeah. I mean, rudimentary that, um, questions. That played I mean, into business later in life. Rudimentary you know? skepticisms. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's not really skepticism. It's more like seeing something and just saying, well, should we do this? And a lot of times, because people are frightened to do things like that. And it's like, I, I didn't, I didn't have a, I, I haven't had fear of asking questions, not, you know, whether they're, you know, sadly, whether they're rude or not, isn't, that isn't the intent. The intent is to understand why someone did something in a particular fashion or form, you know, and that has always been a winning thing for me later in life. I didn't know that earlier in life. And if I knew that if I pushed that earlier, I would have been better. I mean, when I look at myself later in life, I, I would, I would say, uh, when I was 45, we'd built a company, we'd built the brands, we'd done stuff like that. I would look back to myself when I was like 28, 29, 30 and said, hire more salespeople, hire salespeople faster, do this faster, do this faster. Don't do this as fast. We were so involved in product in the early part of the company saying that, you know, if we build the best product in the world, everybody will come to our door. That's, that's crap. No, you can build a golden ring that'll open up the, the sky for everyone in the world. But, but if you don't market it and you don't sell it and you don't have a person there, you'll, you'll do okay, but, but you won't be Bezos. You won't be, you won't be uh metaturd, whatever his name is. Musk is uh, no Zucker Fart. Uh that guy. Uh you you won't grow to that level. You won't grow substantially if you don't do that early on. And that's the hard thing for people to realize is that like if you don't know when you come from like a business background, you get a little bit of marketing, a little bit of sales, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and everybody's sort of like product people all believe that without them the world would not turn. But I would tell you that, and salespeople believe that if we didn't sell it, nobody would buy it. You know, there's, and I, and I think that there's some. I kind of believe that too, honestly. I mean, well, look at this podcast, no. right? I mean, what do you there's, think about this, right? I mean, we're trying to sell this right. to people. I don't know if we're necessarily trying to sell it. It's really for me at the end of the day. It's trying to rejoice in my father's memories and then so that I can have these forever. And if other people want to hear it, I mean, I appreciate that. I think that's a great thing. But I don't I think know. There's an equality there. There, there's an equality across all business decisions and all decisions in general. That in a business in particular, when you start to look at different areas, they're they're much more equal than they are distant. And the problem is that each one wants a bigger piece. Each one wants to have a bigger say. Each one says that they're more important. When in reality, they're not. And uh, if the only reason they aren't is if one is underperforming and the other is overperforming and, and it's a really hard thing and it's a hard question to ask. It's a hard thing to look at. It's a hard thing to happen. You know, I mean, it's, you know, when I, when I look through the years, when I would tell myself earlier is growing a business, you know, if you want to grow a business, it's about letting go. 
the hardest thing in the world for me was when, when, when we moved from one building to the other, I think it was like 28, 29, maybe 30 in the early, in the early years, we moved from a really small hole in the way, 10 by 10 building. We were in the SEC public. We were, we were eight floors up and we moved across the street to this huge area. Then we moved again and we moved to this whole floor and we had an HR guy cause we had about 50 people and he's like, we got to put you in an office. And I'm just like, want to put me in an office? I can't, can't talk to people. I gotta, what, what, what am I going to do? And he goes, you gotta, you, you gotta think about the future. And I was like, and this is the HR guy. And I'm like, what? And that was a shocker. That's something I would say is I would say, if you want to grow, you gotta let go. You gotta let go. Cause I loved doing the day to day work over time. I always loved that. That was just so satisfying to be rubbing your elbows next to the people you work with. And that was so much fun. But once I let go of that and I moved to the next level, then I would, I could pick people that could do that. But also I became rubbing elbows with the next group of people. And so it was, it, it's just a freaking ladder, you know, it, each one is their own little subset of group of people that enjoy doing what they do. So it isn't, you, you discover a new skill set. And the thing is, is that each time that you do that, you learn more about yourself, you grow more, and, and also the business grows, you know, so it's, it's a really cool kind of thing as long as you keep moving that dial and keep, don't slow down, don't slow down when people tell, because people, you know, my whole life have always said, don't do that. That's, that's risky. You know, I mean, you know, I didn't have a kid. I, I, I had a car payment. I lived in a place that cost me 200 bucks a month. I worked as a my, I work Fridays and Saturdays as a doorman bouncer, as some would say, and that paid for just like all my expenses and everything else was just free. So I could do anything I want in essence. So for me, risk-taking was built into the model of what allowed me to start the business. Well, I mean, I feel like that's something that fueled you almost. Yeah. Risk-taking was something yep. that you Growth took in your that mind of, and you said, hey, yeah. this is a major aspect of not only my life, but my character. Yeah. You said, without Expand this, I'm nothing. I would never sit yeah. down and be be complacent, per se, I guess. I don't well, know. I think that, that I would tell myself probably, I mean, some of the other things that I'd say is enjoy your family a little bit more. You know, because at that point I didn't have one except for my parents. And that would have been the point in time because I was the, the sole, like, you know, brothers went off to college, brothers got, brother got married, wife got, uh, sister got married, other brother, they were, they were gone away. And I was the closest one to the roost. So I could have learned everything I wanted to learn then. And evident, and I didn't take advantage of that. Not to be sappy, but I think that's, what I've been doing that's it. since I've graduated. See, I look at you. That's and, the reason I support it so much my... is because that's one of the things I would have said. I think that's exactly what I'm doing now. I mean, yeah. people, I don't know. No, it's not even people. It's that I look at my own life and I say, I have this select amount of time with these two individuals and what, what I'm going to regret not being here. I'm going to regret that. 
for a very long time if I don't rejoice in this certain twilight zone that I can live in when I'm 23 years old and when I can enjoy every single aspect of going out, going to a, a renaissance festival or doing either that or, I mean, I know you can't tie my shoes anymore and mom can either, which I partially wish that you could in a weird way. But here I am trying to make that up and trying to say, hey, I was able to, to get this far. I, I so help me tie my shoes in a different way. I can't tie your shoes because your feet are always moving. My feet kick you in the head when you tie my shoes now. <laughs> no, they did then too. But I mean that that, in the that ear, I think probably of all the things I would say, it would be because my parents died in ninety nine two thousand two thousand two thousand one, right in there, and and that would have been. I started the business in. <laughs> 87. So it was a few years later, but I was singularly focused on that family, all that stuff. But I, I, I look back to myself at 25 and said, I would say weird, weirdly, I would say, do what you're doing now. You should get to know that person because what, one of the things that I do a lot is I make an incredible amount of mistakes. I've done this my whole life. I make tons of mistakes and I'm okay with that. But I want, I, I often feel that I need to communicate those to other people, specifically you and others. So you can look at that and you can take it for whatever the hell you want. But for the most part, I'm hoping that you'll, that you'll, you might try what I tried and that exactly the same way and fail. That's okay. And that's good. And that, that, that's fine. But then you know that now you have two times that people have done it. And they fail. So don't do it again. Exactly. It's hard. I have to ask you, would you have spent more time with your dad when you were that age? No. No. No, no. I would have. I I, had to ask. I I would have. If if I could ask myself questions, I would have. My brother did a taped uh, thing with one of the local historians uh, that developed a portion of Woodbridge. His name was Botts, and he was this old guy, and he was like 98 years old. And one of his sessions that he did in college, he was at UVA, was a history class. And they were like, go back and find somebody that's lived in your community for 30 or 40 or 100 years or whatever the hell it was and interview him. And he had him on audio tape. And I thought, like, that was the coolest thing. And to this day, that's what I wish I had done with my father. So this was this. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, but I didn't uh, kind think of a, about a that reiteration. And I guess this is a, is a reiteration of what you would have done with him. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, is that it wasn't my idea. This was yours. You came up with this, and then it was like, damn, damn, damn. That's a good idea. I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd done that. And so, like you said. What would you tell yourself? I would have told myself, go back. Don't be an asshole. You're 25. You know everything. Everybody knows you every, know everything. Shut the hell up and, and just bite it and get over the whole angst and animosity and, and learn. 
and learn about your past and learn about the history of where you come from and learn about all the siblings that you didn't know about that we're finding that are falling out of the sky now. You had to do that. It's, yeah, I feel like I could, I could never know enough. Yeah. I feel, I don't know. Well, That's cool. just how I look at my life. And yeah. I know a lot about you. And I know a lot about mom. Yeah. But I feel like I could never know enough. Yeah. Right. And I feel like there's things that always come out, especially when you put the headphones on and you get in front of the microphone. Mm-hmm. Things just seem to expunge themselves or they seem to just come out of nowhere because you're in this space and it's it's kind of an intellectual space. You're like in a little little library per se. And you learn that you about these things that you don't even think about and you can't even remember thinking about from the time that you were six or seven years old. And then you're like, Hey, I've been talking to this guy here. Can you hear his voice in my ears? Here I am. Well, this is me. I mean, when I listen to this, I hope that it opens up a line of communication with, between some old fart and some young kid. That's all I want. I mean, that to me is what it's about. When I listen to this, it's like, oh, yeah, that's it. I wish I knew that. And I've already had people tell me that. And that's what sticks in my head is it's like, okay, so this is an opportunity. And when you think about it, it's like, how do you look back at yourself and say, because your your mindset is so different when you're coming, you know, when you're in that mode, when you're in your 20s, you're like, I'm, I'm going to work to make myself apart from my parents and successful and distant because I've always been there. And it's, it's, it's a very, it, it's just, it's, it's the difference. It's very, we forget. We forget that as we, the weird thing is when you're really, really young, that you think about, like when you're older, you want to know more about the history. When you're younger, you generally don't. You're thinking about making the history. So when you look back, you're like, oh, wish I could have, should have, would have, did have. No, but I don't. You know, and that, that's what's so different. And it's like, wow, should have. What are your thoughts? I think what you're getting at is making your parents proud. And for the longest time, my life was dedicated to making my parents proud. I looked at my life as if it was dedicated and as if I was made almost to make these people who made me proud. And at the end of the day, I, I this was only of recent that I looked at myself. I looked in the mirror and I said, isn't it time that you make yourself proud? Because at the same time that you're doing that and you look at that guy, right? That, that guy or woman that's been looking at you and the pupils for however long you've been alive. And you say, wow, I finally made this person proud. And therefore, everybody that has looked into my eyes before, as my parents have, I've made them proud in a constituent kind of way. We, we, we never had that. I mean, I never, I never heard that even though business was successful, even though, and then, uh, weirdly at my tenure, you know, was voted most successful. And I thought that was weirdly, uh, you know, whatever, but it, it didn't come from my parents because there was always a question. And so I, I never heard that. And it would have been nice. It, it absolutely would have been, 
it would have been sort of that self-actualization that they came across and said that you did well. I never heard you did well. I don't think in my life I ever heard you did well. I told you that when I was 18. No, you I did. I told you that. You yeah. did. You did. No, I wasn't I did to saying your face, you. And I remember that. I remember that. as if you lost all of your hair. I told you this. I said, I'm, I'm proud of you. And you, you looked at me and you said, nobody has ever told me that before. And that, that made me upset. <laughs> that made me, that made me. It's weird, isn't it? That made me really, really upset. Well, see, I'm and, never going to say that to you. But, but by the way, by the way, what you've done with what you've had and what you have, I am incredibly proud of you. You, each and every day, you do things like this. When you came up with this idea, I was just like, first off, I was pissed off because I should have done this. This was me. I knew this. I didn't know this, but I didn't execute on this. I didn't think about this. I didn't write this down. Damn, damn, damn. Once again. When I see a really good idea executed right in my backyard, it just makes me go like, wow, he's smart. And this is what I this is what I'm really good at in business. I just hang on to those people that are much smarter than me. So I'm gonna hang on to your ass for quite some time. Probably until I die. <laughs> I'm worth as much as a a third place Pinewood Derby trophy, I think. Oh yeah. But I think the most special part of this is not necessarily. I thought you were second place. You were second place. Oh, we got it. All right, we'll fact check this for next episode. <laughs> yeah, we will. But I think the most special part of this is that it's not only that we're two guys talking into microphones, and I, I blatantly stare into your eyes a yeah. lot of these times, and I am so I feel it's not that I'm forced, but it's that I want I want to see how you react to the words that I say. Yeah, and I feel so infatuated by somebody who is me in a sense and not a sense in reality and somebody who has taught me so many so many lessons and here i am at this age and i have so much more to learn and so much more to unlock and i'm i'm so excited that we can do that together that's what i am well and and it, this is going to sound a little weird but Father, son, love. It's reciprocal. And it is for me. And my wife's not here, so I can say this. is the greatest thing in the world. Love you. It definitely Cheers. is. And I love you too.